everyone and welcome to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Uh, I'm Nathan and I'm joined tonight by Thomas. Hello Tom, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, should be a pretty good episode with this one considering we've got a um, pretty big Super Coach guy on the other end of this one, but I'll get, I guess I'll let you um, introduce him. Yes, and tonight we are also joined by uh, Jordan who has the YouTube channel Super Coach Jords. How are you Jordan and welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me, boys. Um, so first of all, I'm just gonna um just ask you a few uh super coach questions. So did you do super coach and if you did, how did you go last season? So yes, last year I finished about uh ranked about one thousand and something, one thousand and sixty, something like that. Very high. Oh it was I had a good start, I was ranked 30th or so in the first Oh, well, that always rounds. helps. And then, that uh, always helps. <laughs> you know, when you, you get a bit ahead of, ahead of yourself when you're doing well sometimes, and uh, I think that happens. Yes. So it happens, but we learn for, for this season, hopefully. Um, yeah, I was happy with how I went. I think this is my fifth year playing now. I used to play AFL Fantasy before that, but switched to Supercoach. Yeah, um, good, good decision there. Yeah, I should do them both now, but um, yeah, definitely prefer Supercoach. Yeah, I think most people do. And uh, since you finished in the top thousand, you've obviously got you probably have a lot of high points, but you you probably know that you've got some low points in there. So can you just talk us through what some of your high points and your low points were from uh, the twenty twenty one Super Coach season for yourself? I think we'll start off with high points. Um, I think bring in. I think probably find a lot of people say they brought in Aaron Hall. So I think it was about 400k at the time. Nearly got to 600, mm-hmm. I think. Um, he was a good buy. Um, starting team was good. I think I started with still Oliver McRae, just rotating captain options every week, basically. So that was pretty good. That always helps. Um, I think there was a lot of low points, believe it or not. I think the starting team was really, really good. And then I uh, just kept trading my way out of it. So I think I traded in Jack Bowes, who... Uh, lost his role and did his hamstring uh, within a few weeks. So that that didn't go very well. Um, playing midfield this preseason, so uh, never again for me, but um, be interesting to see how he goes. Uh, I think my buy rounds were a disaster. I, all my players with the last um, that I needed to play through the buys kept getting injured, which is my fault for picking injury-prone players. Then I scored like 14, 1300 in that last buy round, my worst score ever. So... I reckon if I quit at in round one, I would have scored better had I just traded out of it so badly. Um, they're probably the main one, probably the buys and bows trade, I think. Um, but yeah, high point probably just Aaron Hall, probably Rowan Marshall. Rowan Marshall I got in early uh, within the last month. I think he got me a one fifty off the bat, which was nice. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there you go. But anyone's a bit of a pain in the ass. I mean, that screwed me up anyway um, last season. But um, obviously, Jordan, as a as a Crows supporter, um, have you seen much of, of the boys train or have you heard much um, about their pre-season? And if so, are there any kind of super coach relevant players that obviously you've got the likes of Laird and, um, and now Dawson in the team, but is anyone that kind of caught your eye from either social media or, or, or going to training or whatever. Um, and how, how, how do you reckon that will go for Supercoach in 2022? Crows are an interesting one. I don't have any Crows in my team at the, the moment. There's a few to watch. Um, I think I don't think the Crows are super relevant this year. They're more wait and see on a few plays, mostly Laird and Dawson to get in afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, they have brought in Darren Burgess. So we saw... Um, the Burgess impact on, I guess you could say Oliver and Petrarca yeah. at Melbourne. Their time on ground both went up by a fair bit. Um, I think Oliver's was 82% in 2019. Don't worry about 2020 because of the shortened game. So then it turned into 88% 2021. So maybe I think Leeds is 78% in 2021. So maybe if that goes up and his post by average was 124, something like that. So see how that effect has on uh, the Darren Burgess effect has on a few of our players. I think Laird can be a pretty good pick. I just feel don't really feel the need to start him with the other options, but I definitely see him. Uh, if I had to list my top eight, I'd have Laird in there. Um, so yeah, very much keeping an eye on Laird and Dawson with his um, 
yeah, a few question marks about Dawson at the moment. So probably let him go. Um, probably talk about him after as well. Um, just yeah, more of a watch what the role is and stuff like that. There's one rookie, Lockie Gollant, showed a bit of promise. One twenty three k forward. Uh, don't think he'll score much, and uh, not sure on his job security, but showed some good signs. But could be a rookie. But um, yeah, would the cupboard would need to be pretty bare for us to pick him. So um, yeah, not hearing a whole lot out of the Crows. It's more um, see how Darren Burgess has how he affects the group and you know how that improves players because pretty much all of Melbourne's players pretty much improved. So hopefully that's the same for the Crows. Yeah, for sure. I mean the Crows are a bit um, up and down with their picks, but I guess um, I'll go to you, Nathan, quickly. Obviously, I mean you might be aware, of, you must be aware of Dawson jumping ship from the Swans to Crows. I'll get George's opinion um, with regards to to his to his position in the line, best um, twenty two for the Crows. But do you reckon, from your opinion, um, being a kind of neutral support, obviously not supporting the Crows, um, do you reckon he's super coach relevant? Obviously, has the ability to score quite well. Um, he's shown that at the Crows. But what are your thoughts on Jordan Dawson? Have you got him on your radar at all, or or, or do you reckon he's just a complete? Um, ignore for yourself and your team for 2022. Um, I don't think he's a complete ignore. Um, but I think I think I'm sort of got the same mind framing as Jordan with um Dawson. Um, in that um I think I'm gonna sort of just see what his role's like at the Crows. Um, I think there's definitely probably some better options around him to start off. Um, but if he has a good role in the preseason for the Crows and he's still sort of playing a similar role at the Crows uh, as to what he did at Sydney. Um, I think that might tempt some more people, but at this stage, I'm very much got him in sort of a watch basket. Um, I don't really know about, I don't really know a lot about Adelaide. So I couldn't, I couldn't confidently say I would definitely start him. So, yeah, I think for me, I think he'll, if he plays like he did last season, he'll probably be in my side by the end. Um, but, yeah, I think he's someone who could probably just sit and wait and just see what his role's like to start the year off. Yeah, I think it's not a bad move. I guess for you, George, um, where do you reckon his best position is in the Adelaide lineup? Obviously, in Sydney, he kind of, played a mix between forward and back, swinging between the two positions and kind of impacted his score a little bit when he moved forward. Um, but he's got the potential to play kind of all around the ground. Where do you think his best position is in that Crows lineup? He played his best football at Sydney on the wing. So, and Nick's flagged that uh, when, you know, when Dawson was just being traded to the club that, you know, that's where, you know, he'll have a similar role at Adelaide as to what he did at Sydney. So, I assume wing um, scored really well there. I mean, we use Seatsman a lot, so maybe does that cut into Dawson's score? Maybe, not sure. Um, I know he can. He played inside mid as a junior, so and Nick's did say that you know we could throw him in the, as an inside mid, but more of a like if we need him there, or you know, not not exactly sure how much he'll be used there, but at least he said that he can be used there. So I think he'll play wing. Um, probably score in the hundreds somewhere. I'm not not really too sure to be honest. Um, just new system, new coach. Um, pros do use the wings a lot. Um, rebound off halfback a lot as well as like fast ball movement. So I think he's going to be pretty important to our game plan. Um, so yeah, I think he's a. I think he's one way you, you can start him if you want. I think for me, it's just wait, get a little bit more info in on exactly uh, how he's used at the Crows um, in terms of, you know, what he can score with Seedsman in the team. So for me, he's just a wait and see. I think he'll play wing though. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he, uh, I don't know, gets 10, 20% CBAs as well. So um, hopeful, but uh, not too sure. So I think mostly wing. Yeah, I guess that's the same to be said with when we had the Collingwood podcast, obviously new coach, who knows what the role is, and obviously a new club as well. So um, for anyone listening out there, they might be considering um, Dawson, I guess, as George said, it's, it's probably best to wait and see. But if you've got the balls to pick him um, and he blows blows off pretty quickly, um, could be a nice point of difference. But we'll move on to someone who's obviously significantly cheaper 
but comes with a lot more potential risk. And he's obviously been flagged year in, year out for his potential to score quite well, but he's basically a walking hospital. And that is Wayne Miller. Um, George, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on him obviously being a Crow supporter? Do you reckon he's way too injury prone or is there some merit to pick him um, at the start of the season? And is he worth the risk if you do pick him? No, I wouldn't touch him. <laughs> so Miller, there's a few question marks. Well, in late 2019, which is I think when he last played, he was actually pretty awful, but he was coming off a, I think it was an AC joint injury. Played some good footy before that. Um, I just remember watching thinking he probably should be dropped, but yeah, it wasn't fully fit. So that's, can excuse him for that. Uh, it's, well, what's his role? Is it halfback? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he wants to play halfback because he used to say all the time, you know, defense is my best position, but the coaches would throw him around. Um, back then we had Laird down back and Brody Smith down back. So now Laird is not down back anymore. Um, halfback, I'm not even sure who we use off halfback. Probably maybe Hamill. I don't know. But if Miller, uh, it seems like he could slot into that back line though. Um, so there's question marks over the role. Not exactly sure because he was a forward as a junior. Um, question marks over the role. Durability is atrocious. Completed a full few ses- full sessions, but not in full training. So uh, 270K, I think yeah, there's too much collective risk for this pick for my liking. And I don't really trust him either. So whether it's confidence, whether it's durability role, I guess I've said it a few times now, but yeah, it's a no from me. But yeah. oh, I'd, I'd like to see how he goes in the preseason, nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, he's a tempting price, but I guess that's what you pay for with, with his injury potential. But I guess you agree with that uh, sentiment, um, Nathan. I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know, what are your thoughts on on um, Miralezi way too injury prone for yourself? Um, look, yes, he's <coughs> sorry. Um, yes, he's way too injury prone for me. Um, but I think if you are going to pick someone around that price, so I'm on here now, I'm just having a look. Um, I think personally, if if I was going to pick between so Trey Rusco, so going back a bit, Collingwood here, if, if I was picking between Trey Rusco or Malera, um, I wouldn't mind taking a punt on Malera in all honesty, but I think you would have to have a lot of balls to do that. So, look, I think if you're going to pick someone in that sort of sort of 200k range, I think he's the way to go. Given that every, as you said, every year he's been talked about as someone who's just going to tear the competition apart. Um, and I think with my old friend Brody Smith, unfortunately, just not being the same after we had those two concussions in about six weeks. Um, and obviously with Roy moving into the midfield, um, I think there is a spot there for him. But yeah, I think he's probably too injury prone. But yeah, I think he's too injury prone, but he's probably the pick of the bunch out of at that price range. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so... One guy that obviously um, played a lot of lot back in the D50, um, got a lot of pill back there, but made a um, pretty ballsy move, I think, when, when they moved into the midfield was Rory Laird, and he kind of showed the coaches why his best position might be might be midfield, um, tackles like a madman, and scored really well for super coaches back in the day when he was picked as a defender. Now he's obviously a midfielder. Um, George, what are your thoughts on on Rory Led making the move to midfield? Has played there now for a full season last year, um, and, and been super consistent. Obviously, may not have as better scores as some of the other guys that can score, you know, one thirties, one forties, on a more consistent basis. But is he worth a selection as a point of difference, or are there just too many um, stronger selections in that area? I love Led. Um... It's just the competition is probably a bit too strong in the midfield for other, you know, Steele, Oliver, um, Talk McRae. It's quite hard to pick uh, Laird over those guys. Um, but I think he's a fine pick if you want to pick him. If somehow the structure ends up, if you want to go six mids or something, I don't think that's possible this year. Um, but if it was, I think he could be your sixth. Um, definitely an upgrade target for me. So I said before, with Darren Burgess coming in, maybe that helps his time on ground. Um, fingers crossed. So 
Although he, I think you could probably play more. It's just how the Crows use rotate their mids. They seem to rotate them a lot. So I think there's too many other stronger mids than Laird. But another thing with um, Laird is, or the Crows, they have the second easiest fixture from, I think I was reading that on afl.com.au. I think Fox, Fox Sports have a slightly different, they have them about third, but I think afl.com.au have them second easiest fixture. So that can only be a good thing for Laird. Um, but for a starting pick, I don't think he's a bad starting pick. I just uh, prefer others. So I won't be starting him, but if you want to, I don't see won't tell you no. And, and just following up on that, obviously watching a, a lot of Crows games, um, being a supporter, is there any risk? Obviously, you look at guys like Walsh. Um, who else is there? Oliver at times get, you know, they score uber consistently, but they are prone to a bit of a tag. And when they do get tagged, they seem to, their scoring falls off a cliff a little bit. Is, it, is that the case with um, Aled a little bit or is he pretty okay with a tag? I think he might have been tagged once. I can't remember. And I think he did okay. I don't think there will be many tags with Laird. And he's one where he checks his man pretty close at the stoppage. So should be able to get a few tackles off if he does get tagged. Um, the entire career, he's just found the pill at will. I think he'll be fine with a few tags um, if they even come. So I, a tag is not really something that I'd um, consider too heavily. Um, with the lead pick. Look, it's possible, and I don't think he'll do that bad, but given he's probably not a captain option anyway um, with other options, um, probably I wouldn't. it's not something that I'd worry about too much. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair call. I guess, Nathan, you know, obviously when you're picking midfielders, um, you want midfielders who can score with the tag, and Laird just tackles every every day, every match and with his heart out. It shows when he plays, he's, he's got his heart in his sleeve. Um, and that's what you want because tackles alone, you know, can save you save your score from a really poor score to a pretty good score if you get tagged out of it disposal wise. Um, have you get given any thought at all to Laird or or you kind of sticking with the the kind of roll roll goal premiums like Oliver's, Steels and McRae's? Um it's actually a shame that he's a midfielder this year. Um, because I think all summer long, I think I had him earmarked as a absolute first pick in the back line. Um, but unfortunately, when I found out that he wasn't a defender um, and what his price was, um, I think at that price, I think I'd rather pay the extra 5K and go to Sam Walsh, um, who, who admittedly does have some question marks over a tag. Um, but look, in his defence, I love watching Roy Led play. I wish he was at Collingwood. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with him. Um, I don't think he's a necessity at the start, but if you do pick him, I think just enjoy watching him play because I think he's just going to keep being, you know, he's really underrated, I think, outside of South Australia, which is a shame because he's always been a really good player. Um, especially since Brody Smith went down with those head knocks um, a few years ago now. Um, he's just, you know, gets the ball wherever he goes. As you guys have said, he's a tackling machine. So, look, I don't think you can go wrong if you pick him, um, but I think he will definitely be my side by the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, he's probably someone that you looked up, great, as George said, and it's not probably not a bad pick if you do so. Um well, we'll kind of go into more, a little bit more nitty gritty with this Adelaide side, and we'll see if we can maybe uncover some gems here. And we'll kind of rack your brain a little bit, George. Um, we've got three players here, which I wouldn't say are, are definitely startups for Super Coach, but having watched a few Adelaide games myself, they're definitely names that do pop out um, when you read the team sheet. I kind of want an overrated, underrated answer from you um, from these three players and give it maybe a little one or two sentences why you think that's the case. First one off the cab is a guy that played a lot of midfield time last year and, and did look quite impressive, more so probably AFL fantasy-wise and super coach, and that's Ben Keys. What are your thoughts on him? Um, I guess he's probably underrated, I think, because he's a really good player. But as a super coach pick, I think you can't really pick him, though, just because his disposal's just not good enough. Too many turnovers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I like him a lot. I think he can, he's improved a good rate of improvement since coming to the Crows. So um, I just can't see him being relevant for Supercoach formats given his disposal. So it would take a lot to clean that up. So yeah. say underrated because doesn't really get a lot of respect, I think, but he's a 
strong ball winner. And it's 560k as well. Yeah, he's probably a bit the price. Um, which is probably a bit pricey for me. Um, the next one on the cap, someone that um, came over to Adelaide and definitely stood out on the paper that, that had potential, probably didn't live up to that potential, um, is Jackson Haley. What are your thoughts on that one, George? Uh, I hyped him up last preseason yeah. and it didn't go well. I think in our Discord, I wrote, a, um, I, was, I said Jackson Haley and 90 average. And people just constantly bring that up because it just he didn't he never got close. Oh, yeah. He did, he had a uh, problem was he had a groin issue all last year, so yeah. I still haven't figured out if he's just no good or was it because of the groin injury. So watch him over the preseason, but I think yeah people have written him off. Um, but I haven't completely lost hope. But signs aren't great to be honest. So fingers crossed. But one uh, not one I'd ignore over the preseason. Put it that way. Yeah, for sure. He's a bit pricey, I think, as well. He's 188,000. I mean, I think, I think if you're going to do that, I think you just sure you just pay the extra 5k and go up to Nick Dacos. Yeah, I mean, it's the yeah, one as well. Um, but the last one is is kind of an interesting one because he, he has had a lot of good scores in the past. I think injury kind of ruined him a little bit. Um, I want to say arguably we've got the better better Crouch brother down at St Kilda, but <laughs> here we go. That's up to debate. Um, Here we yeah, go. Obviously, that that's revealed it. Matty Crouch. What are your thoughts on him, George? Is he is he kind of one one last hurrah with him in Supercoach, or is his time kind of dusted? Yeah, I have to correct you there. Um, <laughs> Matt Matt is the better one. What's what's actually interesting is Matt was always the, uh, Brad was always the more talented one. Um, probably has a higher ceiling, but Matt was probably a bit more consistent and yeah. less injuries. But anyway, Matt Crouch. Now that he is. Um, as a groin issue this preseason, went back for surgery late last year. I don't think you can pick him on a limited preseason because we've seen what's happened with Elliot Yo. It's just not the same anymore. But maybe if he has a good preseason, he'll be fine. Look at Jared Berry's output with groin injuries, pretty disgusting. So uh, for me, it's just about health. And with I'm not sure how he works with Laird and Keys in the team. I don't think you can start uh, Keys, Sloan. Um, Led and Matt Crouch in the same midfield. Um, that will give me one big headache watching that. <laughs> so I think they're going to work something out there. He's not one I'd, I'd look at, to be honest. I'd like to see his progress over the preseason, but chances I pick him are probably zero. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty fair enough. I guess any player with that that injury history is is probably worth an avoid. Um, I guess the last question we'll ask you, Jordan, um, before we move on to some some listener based questions with regards to general super coach questions, um, the forward line is probably the iffiest part of this this setup for super coach. Um, it's maybe not as many relevant players in comparison to other teams, but obviously with Adelaide rebounding quite nicely and developing their youth, which has been good to see, especially in their forward line with the likes of Riley Philthorpe and the Co. Um, is there any relevant Adelaide players worth a shout? Even we'll probably push it even to draft. Even is anyone worth looking at? Not really, to be honest. Um, Darcy Fogarty's always had a lot of talent, um, but he just can't get his disposal numbers up. Hasn't been able to get these endurance good enough. So maybe Darren Burgess helps him. Um, I don't know why I'm talking about Darcy Fogarty. We'll move on. We'll go down to. So yeah, I think we'll look at probably the rookies. We might get some. So Josh Rochelle sounds like his fitness needs a bit of work. I'm at AFL level. So, and he probably spend more time forward. So I don't really love the Rochelle pick. He did score well in, in that league, but given his role, Crows a rebuilding team, um, probably not one I'd look at for 180K, but see how he goes preseason. Mentioned Gollant before. Um, it depends how much he improves over the preseason because he showed some really good signs against North, although it was North in the round 23 last year. Uh, he's kind of your third tall type. So he's probably a last resort rookie. Um, also, uh, Tariq, I think Tariq or Tariq Newchurch, yeah, yeah. small forward. Um, heard some good things about him today, actually. I think Sloan was pumping him up. So very low accumulator, high impact per possession player. So, I, yeah, another one in the same boat is Golan. Kind of your last resort rookies that you don't really want, but you only pick if there's no one else. Um, and then the other one's probably Luke Pedler. I'm not the biggest fan of Pedler. I thought he was good in the preseason in 2021, but he's 
the Crows drafted him on a pretty small sample size and he's had a lot of injuries and he's still injured at the moment, I think. He's still in limited training. So he's might be a rookie that we get later down the track. Um, just needs a bit more development and a nice injury-free run, but he just hasn't got it at all since juniors. So um, I don't think... Wouldn't probably start any of these picks, um, but Peddler maybe later down the track if he gets an injury-free run. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I guess bottom line is, you know, pick at your own pick at your own risk with these Adelaide boys. Who knows what happens in twenty twenty two? And I guess with with a team like Adelaide and a few others that are, that are rebounding, I mean, it's whether they can re how how quick they can rebound. If they do have a quick rebound, it, it's sky's the limit for those young young boys. But um, I guess we'll move now to some some general super coach super coach questions um, that have come from from listeners of the sort that 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 stem further down from Adelaide to some other clubs as well. But we'll start off with with my boys down St Kilda. Um, uh, uh, we won one of our other co-hosts um, was unfortunately not able to be here, but he left me some questions to ask you, George. And the first cap off the rank is is a guy under the name called Ron Marshall. Um, unfortunately doesn't have DPP this year. Otherwise a lot of people would have picked him, I guess, in the forward line. Um, but he gave us an interesting stat to, to kind of give you to kind of break down a little bit. Um, apparently if Steele's in the side with him, he averages 130 approximately. And without him, he kind of goes down to 119. Is this kind of a irrelevant stat that you kind of look past if you're going to pick Steele? Or do you reckon there is some merit to that, to that stat differential? Um, if you're worried about steel, obviously he's, he's quite expensive and there's always a talk of him being able to be picked up at a cheaper price. But do you reckon that stat differential, if Marshall gets injured, um, hopefully not for my sake, but in the preseason or if he gets injured throughout the season, do you reckon there is some worry in there or, or steel safe as houses? I still think Steele's pretty safe. I think last year Ryder was out as well for a bit at the start of the year. So he had no, he had Paul Hunter, who I think he was on the yeah. cruise list for a while. He's a state league ruckman. Yeah, um, So, uh, nah, I think it's a hard one. If they're both out, then I think you can make a case for against it. I think I'd probably still start him anyway. I guess it just depends. If they're out for, I don't know, two months, I guess probably you can go without. That's probably the only scenario I see I me mean, not picking still. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a hard one. Uh, I, to be honest, I'd still probably pick him anyway, but I, it's definitely more of a reason not to pick him. Yeah. I mean, are you worried at all with that, that stat that I've just reeled off, Nathan, or do you reckon still, you know, with the potential of him scoring huge with his tackle numbers, or are you you going to avoid him um, and maybe pick someone else and, and bring him in later at a potentially cheaper price? Um, well, I'm just on him now, actually, and... Uh... Marcus Bontempelli, 651,000, uh, and his average was 119. So, and Jake Steele's 685. So, I mean, if you think he's going to be a top eight midfielder, um, I'd just pick him. Um, I don't think with those big plates, I don't think you should be worrying about, you know, what might happen. I think you just have to pick them and, um, you know, just go along with their ups and downs um I, I think if you're trying to save 30k i think you're probably really being scabbed to be honest um i think he's going to be a top five midfielder so um yeah i, I just pick him yeah fair enough uh, well the next question we have is is a brisbane boy i don't know george if you've actually seen much of him play at all um having watched any brisbane games but under the name of keeman coleman um he did look like a half a decent player in the Brisbane lineup um, last season, definitely provided a bit of speed, which which Brisbane were missing around that the midfield forward line. He's kind of priced at, I think, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Nathan, if you're on the side at the moment, but I think mid-250s or whatever, I think 260-something. Um, do you reckon he's could be considered a differential pick, considering that a lot of the Supercoach community has talked about the likes of Rainer, Gresham, um, Kerno? Coniglio, those sort of guys, or do you reckon that we kind of have to look past him and, and just pick the other guys? It's an interesting one. He's played a right at halfback. I know I spoke to DR about it. DR yeah. said um, he thinks he'll get first dibs on the halfback slot um, spot down there. So 
I'm not interested, to be honest. I don't think there's a big enough sample size. And I think there is a bit of competition. I think there's a dude, there's a young guy called Michael Carter, I think. Um, yeah, that rings down the lines. Yeah. He's scored really well in the VFL, so and had a good preseason. So he might take the spot. Not too sure. So for 260K, I need 100% job security. Um, I think it'll start round one, but I don't know if he can hold it or not. So he's a no from me, but see how he progresses over the preseason. Yeah, for sure. He did. He did look good in the final. So good contested ball rate. So yeah, but yeah, pass for me. Yeah, um, I guess we'll move on to you, Nathan. You obviously are a Collingwood supporter. So you would have seen a few Carlton games as well, as we've discussed in previous um, previous podcasts. But someone that's played um, in defence always gets named in in podcasts in preseason stuff, especially with the retirement of Liam Jones. There is a defender spot open or an intercept defender. Spot open, that's um, Caleb Marchbank. Apparently, his DPP status this year, is he worth a punt? I think he's early 200Ks. Is he worth a shout at all, or do you think just Carlton's defence is kind of a no-go in general? Um, well, first of all, unfortunately, he doesn't have a DPP, um, so Jonas he's only a defender. Jonas is giving me wrong information, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> what did you say? Um, yeah, he's a defender only. Look, um, I think I said this when we, I think we did the Carlton podcast. And I think I said this at the time. So I'm a family member who goes to Carlton, so I quite often go to Carlton games. Um, obviously, as a very, very impartial supporter against Carlton. Um, so obviously, uh, look, I think if you're going to take a pun on someone who's got experience, um, sort of around that 200k price, um, I think he's the way to go. Um, I probably won't be going to him um, just because I think if you're paying that much for him, um, he's sort of almost like an expensive rookie in, in a way. So you you probably ideally want him to sort of be a top 10, top 15 defender that you won't have to touch for the rest of the year at that price. Um, I'm just not sure if he's got that in him. So look, I think... Probably a no for me, um, but if he has a really good preseason, um, that could change. Yeah, for sure. Um, do, you, do you agree or disagree with that? With that sentiment, Jordan? Um, obviously, potential to, to fill in fill in Liam Jones' spot. There's points up for grabs, but um, hasn't really hit the heights with regards to Supercoach in particular or in AFL in general. Um, what are your thoughts on Marchbank? Honestly, I haven't watched him for quite a while. He's been injured, I suppose. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure where he's at, to be honest. I think he's is he a third tall type, something like that. Yeah, I think he was um, playing kind of second fiddle to Jones a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's a tall type. Yeah, not really inside. Okay. I reckon I had him a few years ago, like four or five years ago as a rookie. Scored okay back then, I think. Um, got injured though. I think it's the 200K range in defense is pretty atrocious. So... Uh, I'm trying to go just guns and rookies in that line. So the durability and few unknowns about Marchbank. So yeah, mostly durability, durability to be honest. So he's the pass for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, speaking of DPP, even though Marchbank isn't, um, how how important, George, is it to have a DPP rookie in the midfield? Now, obviously it is important to have DPP to swap around, but... Do you reckon there is merit in having a DPP rookie in the midfield, even though they have a much, I wouldn't say significantly worse scoring potential, but but worse scoring potential than someone that's pure mid? Um, so we give the example of, say, Eli Smith, who may have mid-forward eligibility or another rookie of the sort in comparison to a mid-only um, rookie. What are your thoughts on that? I wouldn't worry about it too much in the midfield. I think you just pick the best rookies. And then ideally go one of Crisp or Whitfield in defence. So you can fling them in the midfield when doing upgrades and downgrades. Um, so that way you can bring in a rookie in either line. So in terms of having a rookie on your mid bench, that's DPP. I mean, it's nice, but I wouldn't compromise on quality rookie just because they have DPP. So I, I wouldn't really worry about that too much, but it is nice to have. Yeah. For sure. so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Nathan, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on this question afterwards, George. But um, first of all, I don't know if you'll, you'll remember um, back to yours. I don't know. You, you didn't really 
pay much attention to Supercoach last year with as you as you flagged in previous podcasts. But there is that hotly kind of contested debate every preseason whether you um, have a dead rookie on the field purely because of a loophole, captaincy loophole, or you have all playing rookies on the field um, to start off round one. So if you remember back when you made your first team, whether it be last year or in previous Supercoach, what is your kind of thinking process behind that? Do you pick, you know, one dead rookie to kind of loophole with or do you make sure that all your rookies are on field and, and maybe pick a dead rookie later on for loophole purposes, say later on in round four or five? What are your thoughts on that one? Um, well, first of all, I'll just go back to the last question. So I'll, I'll just I'll agree yeah, with what Jordan said there. Um, I think there were, I think back in, I mean, I'll go, go back a few years ago, but I think in 2015, uh, there was an option between, I think, Pat, Patrick Cripps and Dugowie were roughly the same price. Um, I think Dugowie had mid forward and Patrick Cripps was just mid. Um, and I think Patrick Cripps ended up being the highest, had the highest price rise out of any player for that year. So um, yeah, I, I think if you've got the choice, I think you just go with the best rookie um, rather than going for DPP. Um, in terms of that question, um, so what I normally do um, is I just basically, with the third ruck spot, um, I just go to the cheapest ruckman, um, find out whoever's playing the most Sunday games, um, and basically just put them in the third ruck slot um, and just use them throughout the year as a as a um, loophole um, because I don't think although the last few uses has been different but um, most of the time these third rucks probably won't get a look in unless there's a whole lot of injuries um, so I think that's probably if you are going to do that I think you can probably just burn a spot in the ruck um, because you probably won't be trading in the ruck anyway so um, yeah, I think if you are going to do that, go in the ruck. Um, otherwise, yeah, you you probably would want to have as many rookies as possible. Yeah, so I guess, as I said, you know, a lot of super coaches have varying views on this one. Do you agree or, or disagree with this one, Jordan? Um, potentially with this COVID year coming up, with the BBL being affected so badly with, with COVID and whatnot, what are your thoughts on, on playing rookies and rookie setups going forward? So in previous years, I haven't played other fantasy sports, but this year I played NFL, BBL. Yeah. <laughs> BBL. Oh, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't watch a single <laughs> game of BBL, so I, just, I was too hard to follow. Like every night you're going to make changes. Yeah, but no, 100%. Yeah, if, you do. If, if those taught me one thing, actually the NFL wasn't too bad, but the BBL games moved, players with COVID outs, oh my goodness. Um, even I'm playing AFL women's fantasy. I've already got three players, uh, no, two players out in the, in the second round with um COVID. So I ideally I want a no loophole to start off with, um, which is a little bit annoying because you're kind of guessing your captain, you just chuck it on Steel or McCray or something until someone gets dropped. Um, and then you bring in a loophole later. So that way, like if you bring in a loophole later, then you get a free one or two downgrade if there's no options, if that makes sense. So it's like a little bit easier to make that downgrade. Um, but the, in previous years, yeah, I definitely like the R3 loophole, but this year I'm a little bit worried. Even in the ruck line, we could face some donuts, but it all depends if we get a playing R3. Anyway, we might just have to go a donut at R3 because we won't have a choice. So I've always liked that the loophole in that line at R3. So yeah, I sort of agree. I think you can, that's a fine strategy. Um, if it can be helped, um, would player playing player at R3 though. Um, yeah. yeah, just depends on what we get. I just don't yeah. think there's any options there this year for an R3, like some other year. I mean, maybe maybe we might talk about this in one of the other podcasts, but maybe if Melbourne get a few injuries, maybe Majak might get a look in, maybe Braden Cruz. But um, otherwise, I, I can't really see any of these younger guys really getting a look in. So, yeah, I think if you are going to do a dead spot, I would definitely make it at Rack 3. I just think we might get Charlie Convin. He's probably not going to score much. Um, just depends how he fits into the north with CCJ coming in. I think there's also um, um, Sam Hayes from Port. I don't know how Port are going, but I know Sam Hayes was at a 123k rookie price. 
um, which might be a shout. I know the other one is if you go if you go on the risky route with with a cheaper R two with Perus, I think there's Max Lynch from from Hawthorne that may fit that fit that ruck roll um, if he gets that R one spot. But I guess it's it's too hard to tell early doors. But I guess we'll see um, come round one. So I guess. Well, obviously, you have a much more in-depth conversation when we do our team reveals and what what sort we can argue what we want with that one. But uh, before we talk a little bit more about this COVID situation um, with regards to fantasy sports, I just wanted to get your views on another kind of hotly contested debate, George, about picking, you know, primos obviously is a, is a term that we use in Supercoach to describe a player that, you know, plays as many games as possible and scores really well and you don't really have to worry about training them out. But with this COVID situation happening, is there maybe merit in rather than picking your top, top class premiums and paying the top dollar like Lloyd, Hall, Crisp, you know, in defense and then guys like McRae and, and Steele in the midfield, do you reckon it might be worth even looking at, you know, potentially paying 50 to 100K less per primo or maybe not 100K less, maybe 50K less to some of the kind of next tier down? Um, to save a little bit of money and distribute that elsewhere to kind of spread your team out a little bit? Or do you reckon it's just safer just to go for the, the picks that have never disappointed really in the last couple of seasons? Yeah, good question. It's definitely difficult um, in terms of how you go about it. For me, I just pick trying to pick the best defenders. So not overly worried about price and defense. Um, just lock in your Lloyd, your hole, and then whoever you like in the 500s there. In the midfield, I'm very much get the big dogs. Um, maybe get, I don't know three or four plus Lockie Neal. Lockie Neal is one where I think is decent enough value that you start. And then I'm with like the forwards, like say Toronto and Duncan. I'm probably yeah. even though I think they'll be in the top top six forwards. Um, I'm more than happy to go down to Butters or Heaney. I like Heaney. A lot of people don't, but. Yeah. Um, more or less, even to go if he gets off, which I think in the court case is in Soon, I six, think. seven hours. I think yeah. it's at 1 a.m., something like that. So we'll find out. That will shape probably shape our forward lines if he gets the forward roll. So I'm more than happy to go down in the forward line um, just because there's a bit of risk with everyone. But when if you start locking in for um, locking in premiums that aren't top of their position, it will start, start to hurt you after the buy rounds. Um, so... But yeah, with the coronavirus, I guess it could, you know, might have to make a few more trades. I don't, I'm not really sure how that's going to go down. So um, we'll see how that goes. But for me, I'm just going to treat it. Obviously, you you monitor how any rule changes or what what we can expect um, coming up with, um, I don't know, match matches being moved and stuff like that. I don't know if that will affect trades. But um, for me, as it stands right now, until we know more, just treat it play it as normal for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, uh, still pick the top plays in the positions in each position if you can. But forward line, more than happy to go down a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. I think, look, the other day and, and you're looking at players, you could pick your top, you know, if you if you decided to go three primos in the forward line, say your Dunkley, Duncan and um, Taranto, for example, you could easily, you know, swap that out for goey if he gets off and um goey butters and even stringer for example and you, you might even get the same output depending on how they go so yeah i mean it's a really interesting debate i guess we'll move to you nathan quickly um are you thinking of maybe cheapening down some lines or are you just picking safe with this guns and rookies approach that i guess has been so success successful for a lot of super coaches for the last couple of seasons um well my i think all you have to do is just rewind back to when we were talking about um, Jack Steele and starting him with whether or not picking him without Marshall is a uh, you know a good shout and uh, I think that's my answer there. Look, I mean if you miss out, I think if you don't pick these guys, you're gonna get them in at some point. Um, so you know like your Steels, your McRae's, your Olivers, um, and the easiest time to get them in is at the start of the year. Um, when you've got a full um, 10 million to play with, there's no limits on how many trades you can do. Um, because during the year, you're going to have to find, you know, even if they drop, say, even if, say, McRae drops 100K, you're still going to have to find 600K from your salary to get him in. So, um, look, I think 
if you're not picking at least probably two or three of those top line midfielders, um, I think you're probably playing a very risky game um, because it's going to hurt you later on when you know you're scratching around, you know, you see Jack Steele, maybe he's fallen 50K um, and, you know, you want to get him in. Um, but, you know, even if Jack Steele falls 50K, you're still going to find, you know, 650K. So, um, no, I think if you look doing that, I think you should just delete Super Coach and just not play anymore. Fair enough, fair enough. Just quickly, um, okay. I agree with Nathan there. Um, I remember in 2009, uh, no, 2020 rather, like Jake Steele and Clayton Oliver were 120 plus mids and I just couldn't get them in the entire year. So I was not having the two of the, I think they would have been top four mids, not having that for the whole year was uh, pretty bad. So yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, very hard to get in during the year. It's just, it's just near impossible to find 600K during the year unless you're basically getting rid of another, you know, like for example, if, Jack McRae gets injured, um, you know, then you might, that might be your best chance to, you know, get no, someone in. Yeah. But um, I guess if you don't pick them, um, you know, uh, most people would have a, a few of them anyway. So you're not really gaining anything if you don't pick them. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of running, running around in circles a little bit. But uh, we'll wrap it up in a second. But I guess one final point from you, George, you know, obviously there's a lot of what had gone to the bridge before round one. But, you know, something that people say is very important is, is, is buy planning. I know, I know super coaches out there do a lot of buy planning. They, they read the prospectus and blah, blah, blah. But with, with, with COVID obviously so pre prevalent um, this season, potentially, is there, is there much point in buy planning or, or do you reckon it's more um, just go with the punches a little bit and just basically hope for the best? I'm flattered you asked me about buy planning, given how my buys went last year. Yeah. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's probably going to change a little bit. Um, but generally, if all goes according to plan, I generally like generally like to have more players in the first buy. Um, they have the first buy beforehand, so you take a little bit of a hit in that first one, and then it just makes the last two buyers a whole lot easier because rem remember. Um, all the rucks are out in the last buy again. So that's going to be the difficult one. So if you can make your life a bit easier for the last one, um, I'm all for it. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's hard because we've already seen AFLW game yeah. not played. Yeah. So uh, I'm I severely doubt that we get through the season um, without games moved. So um, I wouldn't worry about it too much. But nonetheless, I think it's you know Ridley, Short and Whitfield all have the same buy down back. So... Just in case, I probably wouldn't start them altogether. So, yeah. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, not not too sure what to expect. But yeah, just hope for the best, I guess. But yeah, still, still would be a little bit conscious of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, like, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll probably talk more about this in our, in our podcast when we, when we do our team reveals in, in close to round one. But I guess the other thing I, I personally will say is probably avoid picking players in the same team, like too many in the same team, just because, you know, who knows if, if one team gets knocked out, you've got three dogs midfields, for example, you know, and they don't give you the season averages or whatever. I um, mean, you could be in a bit of trouble there. But um, one last question before we wrap up the whole podcast um, is, George, obviously doing so well, um, or, you know, so well this season, uh, or last season, sorry, what is one bit of advice that you've learned in previous seasons, not necessarily just from 2021, but from the years you've done Supercoach, uh, that you think is, is a really important tip for, for someone that's new to Supercoach in 2022? So Supercoach will always be a hard game to learn because you just, you can't really learn, um, well, like you have to learn as you go. You can't practice Supercoach in the off-season. So it can be a bit difficult for new players, but... I guess um, try and learn a bit of the fundamentals of the game. You know, generally the best strategy is guns and rookies for the most part, maybe one or two mid prices. So maybe stick to that structure. Um, and yeah, just have fun. Pick the players you want to pick. Go with your gut, but make sure those picks, you know, they have the right role. They're not too injury prone, mostly soft tissue injuries. Um, if you want to take a punt on one of those players, maybe one or two, no more than that. Um, but yeah, make sure they have another one is you know proven scoring history. So role, proven scoring history, durability. Um, maybe you know 
pick plays within that sort of framework for the most part. Um, and yeah, have fun, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's one of the pieces of advice we've given in multiple podcasts. Is it could be well a season that is so messy that it might be worth you picking plays you like to watch and, and try and enjoy it this year. But I'll just quick, just sorry, just sorry to interrupt you. Just one more thing. I think probably the best thing you can do is get involved in some sort of community. Yeah. Um, whether that's like we have a Discord, there's other Discords and Slack channels, Twitter, just follow everyone on Twitter. You, know, you can comment on the people's Twitter. You get some, um, listen to some different ideas. Um, so I think that's really, really important because I think I became a lot better player, significantly better when more people started coming into our Discord where, you know, you'd learn from, you know, like you're a Saints supporter, like you could give me some tips on the Saints players because, you know, you know more about those players. So once you get a whole lot of supporters from different clubs, they can tell you a bit more and you get a bit more in-depth information on them. So definitely get involved in some sort of community. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I've learned so much from, I don't know if you knew Nathan, but I've learned a lot from Twitter following all the, all the guys there. And I guess, as George said, the more... Um, people that you connect with with Supercoach, I guess the more knowledge you gain, obviously, with, with supporters um, following the club so heavily. But um, I guess that's all we've got time for today. Um, really appreciate you coming down, George, um, giving your wealth of knowledge out to our listeners as well. Um, for listeners who haven't heard George before, I mean, obviously, I'm obviously a big fan of his, his work on YouTube. Um, and also, he's got his Discord, which I think is one of the largest going around with Supercoach, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, I'm probably not sure. <laughs> but no, I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we've got, um, you know, the rest of the teams coming up. So feel free to listen to that and, you know, keep on track with all our, so all our streaming services, um, which will post up those team reviews um, prior to round one. But until then, we'll uh, see you next time.